Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is the creator of the Urban Legends series, Mr. Paris White. Thank you for joining me. Hey, hey, what's going on, Mr. Lampkin? How's everything going? Man, everything is great. How about you? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Blessed, for sure. First of all, let me just say congratulations on um, creating the Urban Legends series. I've read up on it, and it's really it's really a great um, idea. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wanted to uh, create something that, you know, represented African-American culture that spoke to our people and gave them some representation in the gaming industry where there was lack of games that represent African-American culture. And then I also wanted to make sure that we incorporated our history and learned it in a fun and interactive way. Why is that important to you personally? Um, when I was growing up there, you know, one, it was no representation in the games that I played. And, you know, even till, you know, I'm 48 years old and up until this date, there's hardly anything. And when I, my daughter was born, uh, a story I like to explain to people is that, you know, I bought her a dollhouse and I was looking for the black mother, the black child and the black father to go in a dollhouse. And I found, you know, it took me some searching to find the black mother and the black baby, but there was no black male that I could put in a dollhouse to represent, you know, the father in the household. So I called the company, you know, trying to find the black doll and still they were no help. And it was like, oh, you know, we make them, but they're, you know, they're scarce. So it was just not seeing that inclusion in the games and in the games I played and, you know, the, the things that I saw that I decided, me and my wife decided to make a game that represented us. How long did it take you to develop it? Um, it took um, six months to develop the game. The book I wrote first is uh, it's called The Urban Legend, Summer Adventures, The Journey to Be Cool, which are my childhood stories that I wrote into a book that, you know, chronicles a year of my life from sixth grade up until the uh, seventh grade school year, where um, it just follows the adventures that I had uh, unwittingly becoming a, a legend around my neighborhood. So those stories were easy to make, you know, because they were my childhood story, easy to write into a book because they were my childhood stories, but then making it into a board game, it took only six months because I had the idea for maybe three years before I made the game, actually, I was finishing up the book. And then um, the trivia cards that can be incorporated into the board game, they were always supposed to be a part, but it made more sense to separate them for those who don't play board game. They would still have a trivia game that they would like to play. You said you, you, you had the idea for three years? Yeah, um, in the middle of writing a book, like I said, it took me six years to write a book because I kept picking it up and putting it, putting it down. You know, I lacked that focus that I needed because I was still trying to develop my family and, you know, I just got married and so on and so forth. But, you know, it took six years to write the book. So in the middle of writing that book, we went to go get a game that represented us and it, was, it wasn't any. So we came up with the idea of making our own game. And then I used the book to give the game a story that would encourage kids to read the book. So it was one thing fed off another that fed off into another thing. So to make that series complete. Because it took six years. Did you ever doubt that you would get the uh, book completed? The only doubt that I would say I had was getting it published. I was like trying to find publishing houses. I was thinking about self-publishing and a lot of things cost a lot of money just to even get your book published. It cost you more 
I seem like to get your book published and that you would be bringing in. But I found a way to, you know, I learned how to use the internet for the best practical uses that it, I could get out of it, where it, I taught myself how to, you know, write a complete book and, you know, in the form that it needed to be in. I learned how to illustrate it. I learned how to get my book made on Amazon, which cost, you know, it was just me putting it on Amazon and selling it on Amazon and then getting my author copies when I needed to sell it myself. So those things that are those lessons that I learned while creating my business, you know, will help me with the next set of books that I came into. But those lessons, those early lessons is what took that time because I didn't know exactly the road, the path, there was no one to show me. So I had to educate myself along the way. I need to back up a bit because I didn't ask, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Washington, DC, born and raised. Um, also lived in PG County for a while. I graduated from Potomac High School, then went on to Morgan State University, then UDC, then Maryland University, where I finally finished up. Uh, I studied architecture. So I'm a DC native, born and raised, but as I got older, I moved out to uh, Maryland. Yeah. I want to give you the opportunity to talk about your childhood because that's what actually made you develop the book. Yes. Oh man, I had a wonderful childhood. I, I'm a boy, boy. You know, I'm a uh, you know, I'm ones they say rusty tails and rusty nails and puppy dog tails. I'm that boy that was out <laughs> playing, jumping in the leaves, you know, chasing you know, everybody up the street and playing with dogs that I didn't know and, you know, bringing dogs <laughs> home. I was, you know, I was my, you know, my mom used to always tell this story that I would come home with bugs in my pocket and talking about, look what I, you know, I found and stuff. And she was just always grossed out and how quickly that she would get me dressed and for the, to go out for the day and she'll turn her back and how instantly I was dirty. And, you know, she was like, I can't, she didn't even dress me in white. That's how bad it was. Cause that was just a no, no for me. Don't put Paris in white because it'd be, as soon as you turn around, he'll be back dirty. So, you know, it was those type of things growing up in the, in the city that really brought my childhood to life. Because when I, I'm 40, like I said, I'm 48, my childhood, my community was a, a com my where I lived at was a community where everyone looked out for each other. You can go up the street and your neighbor, you know, would take you in if you you got home from school and your parents wasn't home and they would take you in, make sure you was eight, you ate and you were eight and fed and taken care of until your parents got home. And then, you, you know, they would say, oh, parents was at my house. He ate everything. And, you know, you go home. It was that's just how it was. But, you know, and then going outside and enjoying being outside, riding bikes, exploring the neighborhood, going in the woods and, you know, playing with uh, acorn fights and having snowball fights. And I just had a really enjoyable childhood where we played tag uh, sports, you know, everything you could do outside because, you know, when I was young, your parents were like get outside with all that noise or go outside or you've been in the house too long, go outside. It wasn't like now that these kids don't go outside at all. So that was kind of the purpose of my book is to create something that created, sparked that energy for kids to go outside and have fun, almost to duplicate what it was like to have a childhood, you know, in the city. And there was, there was so many activities to have outside that, you know, I wanted to portray that in my books and my board games. For you, what, what, do you, what feeling do you get when you hear people your age, maybe younger, a little older, that talk about like how rough and how bad DC was? Because Let's be honest, it's not too often that we get to hear a good 
side of a good upbringing in D.C.? Well, it's, it's facts, just like, you know, like history, you know, it's not going to train the facts is the facts. You know, once drugs was introduced into our neighborhood and, you know, over policing introduced into our neighborhood, it just really turned it really bad. And what was a childhood paradise to me instantly turned into, you know, a war zone when I was growing up, when I was in my, you know, early teenage years, it just really got, got real bad. And this, these people say, oh, DC is bad. It was bad, but at one point it was really good. And it was only bad because they let it get that bad to me. They, they could have done things to change it. Communities could have things to do things to change it, but the drugs was so heavy in the, in the community and it was new. So it hit like a storm. And by that time, by the time we realized what was going on and we changed our pattern, you know, it was too late. What I was think, that I like? Think we lost a whole generation to drugs. What was that like for you? Because you actually, you know, unfortunately you saw paradise, but then you saw that change. So what was that like for you personally? It was, it was seeing my uncles, my cousins, my aunts, you know, fall victim to drugs and violence. It was, you know, a family member being there at one point, then for three years, they're locked away and then they get out and then they go right back in. It was just a repetitive cycle of, you know, and everybody that was, you know, that was my age, the, the, the kids, you know, they vowed like, I'll never be like my parents. I'll never do the things that my cousins or aunts did. You know, I'm, I'm going to do better. And it was that mentality that pulled us out of those situations to make better lives for ourselves now. You know, even though they tried, you know, we're resilient people, you know, it's just that we just had to have those opportunities and, you know, focus a different way. How were you personally able to avoid those negative um, pitfalls? It was my mother and father. They made sure that, you know, we didn't have to want for nothing. They explained to us that, you know, if there's anything you ever need, you know, I'm working two jobs, you know, I'm working, you know, overtime. I'm, my father was a master mechanic who uh, built race cars on his regular job and then on his um, on a part-time basis, he would go out and help other people with their race cars. So he wasn't home a lot. My mother wasn't home a lot because she was working two jobs. And, you know, my older brother, he basically almost raised me and he'll tell you that himself. But, you know, wherever I went, wherever he went, he had to have me in tow. So, you know, it was that family dynamic, like, you know, protect your brother, make sure he's okay and protect your cousin, make sure he's okay. And my mom, my father installed, instilling those values in me and those, my mom installing those uh, values in me to, you know, stay on the up and up, don't get into trouble, think about situations, think yourself out of situations, those type uh, of lessons that she taught me that, you know, you're smarter than, you know, what they say you are. You're, you can be whatever you want to be. You just have to pursue it. Early in the conversation, you talked about um, the sense of community that you grew up in. But now, you know, looking at the way things are, we really, we, we really have gotten away from that. Do you think we can ever get back to it? I'm sorry, repeat the question one more time. I was saying, you, you, you talked about earlier how you grew up within the community amongst your community, surrounded by good people within the community. Mm -hmm. But now it's not that the people are bad. We just don't really have a sense of community anymore. And I was, my question was, do you think we can get back to that? 
I think we can. I think we can. I think we want to. I hear so many people say that, oh, we used to get together over grandma house or we used to get together on the holidays. We used to have a family reunion every year. I hear people say that so much. And now people are starting to, you know, invest back into their kids, back into their education and back to those things that brought families together. And that was one of the main things that made me make my game. I wanted to bring families back together for social interaction. These kids today, you know, and, and parents are just as guilty as kids are, are being on their electronical devices, being on their computers, um, you know, what you know, binge watching shows, whole season of shows in two days. Where did you have family time other than sitting in front of the TV or computer screen? So bringing those families back together is one of my main missions and do it in a fun way, an educational way at the same time. So, you know, that community that's that's been missing, we can definitely get it back. And I think we're headed back that way with Buy Black initiatives, support Black businesses, you know, Black education, Black inclusion in school, where we're talking about our history and stuff like that. You know, until we know that we've done these great things and we can do these things as a family, those even the TV shows that we see on TV are promoting family structure. So hopefully, you know, there's a dad, there's a mom in the house. It's not just single dad shows or anything like that, or single people shows. You know, we're getting back to it slowly. You know, we we just, we, we, we dealt with the, pandemic in 2020 um we're still kind of dealing with covid but it's not we're not locked down like we used to be but do you think that lockdown like not being able to be around family and not being able to touch them and, and, and network with them and, and had good dinners and things like that do you think because we didn't have that is made us want that even more now I guess that's a toss up because you have, you know, different personality traits for introverts. It was great. You know, they were fine being in the house and not, you know, getting out into public, but it was people that were socially active. It affected them differently. But when you're talking about kids and socialized social development in schools and in classes, that was a big part. And I think having being around other people other than your family is really important socially. So when you get out into those social situations, you're not sheltered or, 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 or straying away from being around those big groups because you've been trapped inside for so long. And then you come, that comes to be a custom of the way the life should be, but we really need to get back to outside activity, get back to, you know, doing those things that, you know, being outside, it gave us, you know, being out in the sun that gave us that energy, being amongst the trees and out in the grass and being amongst nature and um, around other people. Those things are important. You know, being surrounded by four walls, you might as well be in jail and you create that jail mentality. You you talk about um, your family being the biggest motivation for you making the game. Was it, was it tough to get everybody like on the same page, like, to play the game and be within the same room because let's be honest, everybody has their own interests. True. It, it wasn't, it's not hard for me and my family because we like to have fun. You know, I'm a really imaginative person and I can just have fun. If you just sit me in a room, we can just all be sitting and laughing because I'm just that type, that personality trait. So it wasn't hard for my family. And plus I made a game that was 
really fun in itself. So sitting down and playing a game, you are guaranteed to have fun because the fun is built into it. You know, you're not just sitting at the table playing a game. It's really interactive where you may have to physically run around the table screaming, I'm on fire. It's a staring contest. Repeat, I won't embarrass my mom until your next turn. So it's a ton of interactive things built into the game where the fun is almost um, a natural fun. You're just not forced. You know, once they see dad and mom being silly and get into it, the kids are going to naturally get into it themselves. Well, have you always created this sense of um, this closeness within your own home before the game or the game made it, made you all get even closer? No, the, it was always close in my family. We always had family events. It was important to me, you know, and my wife to do things together, to get out and, you know, be a unit when we go out, to go see family members we haven't seen, you know, to, you know, we really push that because I, I don't want to be a family that's apart. I, I grew up with, like you say, with that togetherness. So I would go over my mom's house so she can see her granddaughter. I would, you know, go over my cousin's house, even though, you know, I haven't talked to them in a few weeks or whatever. You know, I would still call and say, hey, come over, let's play the game. Let's, well, you know, we had like different games, like where karaoke night, we did those a few times. So we, I always tried, me and my wife always tried to make sure that we had family events. Like every year for my birthday, I want to cook out no matter what, I want family to come over. So that's how much it is important to me. In my birthday, I want to celebrate it with everybody. And not it's not about me. It's about spending time with my family on my birthday. You had a vision. You had a dream for this board game and, and the other items you created, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I'm going to focus on the board game for right now. Mm -hmm. What was the feeling like when you completed it and it was ready to be shared with the world? Oh, I was nervous. I was completely nervous. I didn't think anybody would like it. I didn't think people would get it. I made it as, as easy to play as possible. So when I first started selling it, it was the first time that, you know, I ever had my own business. This is the first business I ever had. And so, you know, when people were saying like, man, this game does all this and this does this. And, you know, thank you, brother, for creating this. You know, it's once I start hearing that over and over again, that I've really created something great. All that shyness went away. All that nervousness went away, you know, because I really put a lot of thought and effort in, in making an educational fun game. So when, when people would come back after they purchased the game and say, man, we had a ball, we played it, or I had to put it up because my kids want to play it every day, you know, that really, really you know, like solidified where I needed to be and what I was doing on the right path. And I, I follow a really, you know, spiritual path. You know, I listen to God when he's talking. So, you know, the people that he placed in front of me, the events that happened to me, I don't look at the bad events that happened in my life as bad events. I look at those as lessons and places to make improvement, to move forward. So no matter what, I know what God has planned for me, but I know there's, it's going to be a bumpy road. Do you know why you doubt it? People would like it. <clears throat> Cause I wrote, I'm a writer. So I write, I write poetry. I write short stories. So you know, it's anytime, or at, and even when I was in college, I used to paint. So anybody time that someone's going to critique your work, you know, you're nervous about it. You know, and I'm always second guessing myself. My wife was a wonderful sounding boy. She's my business partner. And she was, the, she's the reason why there's an urban legend series. It wasn't for her convincing me to write my childhood stories into a book, convincing me to say, hey, let's start our own business when there was, you know, 
I didn't know where I was going in my career path. She was like, how about starting our own business? And, you know, what that was going to be was we didn't even know at the time. We just knew we wanted to have our business. But if it wasn't for her saying we need to think differently and have multiple revenue streams, you know, and once we came up with the idea for the game, we did our research to find out what the market trends was and stuff like that. You know, and then we say, this is it. This is what God has led me to do, to meet to meet you, to give me this idea, to give me, you know, to bounce my creative ideas off. And also to be that person that was going to keep me in line when sometimes my dreams got in front of where I was in life at, on that dream. You know, sometimes you, you know, you put the cart in front of the horse, as they say. So she was the one that reeled me back in like, no, you're not selling all over the world yet. So pump your brakes, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but that was the thing that, that kept me aligned with God and my mission was her that believing in me and invested in me. So it, it was very, you know, a doubtful moment. I didn't want to let her down because, you know, the day that my games arrived, I was laid off from my job due to COVID. And that was, you know, to me, that was a sign from God. Like now you don't have a job saying like, Oh, I can't do this because I work these many hours and I'm tired, but now I have, the resources to pursue my career. And I have a woman that's in my corner that's going to help me keep, you know, keep the family together while I'm pursuing this career till I can get it off his feet. And she was that person for me to allow me to do that. And now it's, you know, living and breathing and, and growing. So it's, it's just a great moment in my life that, you know, that's just really taken off for me. Wow. You said you, you said you got laid off from your job. Yeah. The same day my games arrived, you know, due to COVID, you know, I was the senior manager. To me, it wasn't even a reason why I should get laid off because it was people that just started the job, but I didn't fuss. I didn't make a big deal. I took my severance check and got on out of there and used that money. And, you know, the money that my wife invested into the business as well to, you know, to have a great starting point to, to put, invest the money into the business and do what I needed to do. Man, I'm just imagining that the, the the day your games hit the house, you get the news that you laid off. And it, was the, and it was December the 9th. It was right at Christmas time. A normal person would have flipped their wig. But, you know, but because, you know, I had this vision and this business behind me, I was able to take it like a shot on the chin, you know, and walk away and be okay because I knew something else was planned for me. And that was God telling me like, this is where you need to be. Why is it so important to have a vision? You have to live your life for something or you'll just fall victim to anything. You know, a lot of, there's a lot of distractions out there. You have, you know, there's a lot of things that'll pull you away from what God meant for you and having that vision, you know, recognizing that vision early. That's one of the things that, you know, I go to go into schools and I like to teach is recognizing your God given talent early. You know, I recognized my talent when I was young, but I didn't pursue it. No one invested in me. I didn't even have the steps to get to my vision. You know, no one, you know, laid that path out to me. So it kind of, you know, I just kind of darted through life trying to survive. But had somebody invested in me, like, you know, like you see those football moms that, you know, at every son's game and doing this, doing that. Not saying that my, my mom wasn't invested in me, 
she was invested in making sure that I didn't have to go to the streets to get what I needed. You know, she invested in me, make sure that there was hot, you know, food on the table. There was clothes on my back and she invested in my education, make sure that I got good grades. So, you know, some of that was left up to me, but that's why I think it's important for us to have mentors and people that can come to speak to our youth where, you know, not every parent is built the same way. Not everybody, there's not a, a path laid out to say, this is your parenting tool, use this. You know, sometimes we need help. We, our kids need help. They need the ones that made it to reach back and, you know, pull our youth up when there's no one else to do it around. So, you know, that's what my company is all about is reaching back to help those, help educate, help inform everyone that's in the family. And I think that's very important. Because you, because you didn't really, we, we know that, that your, your parents were investing in you, but there were certain conversations that you didn't have with your parents. Are you now having those conversations with your kids? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, one of the, one of the things that, you know, kind of made me mad at my dad was that, you know, he was a master mechanic, one of the best mechanics around, but he didn't want his own business. He was happy just being a mechanic. And I never had a complacent mentality because my mom didn't have a complacent mentality. Not that my father was complacent. He just followed his passion and he lived a happy life. But my mom was never complacent. She was always trying to do better, trying to make things better. So I got that from her. So when it was time for me to go into my life, I always moved forward. I always moved to the top of where I was until I couldn't move anymore. Until I had to move, find another job and move up the chain. And, you know, had I took that drive and put it into my own business or my own talents, I think I'd be in a, be in a different place, maybe in this place, but just a little earlier. Because I've always had the talent for art and math. So it wouldn't have been hard for me to be where I am now. I want to, I want some more clarity because you said you were actually mad with your father. Yeah, I was mad at him because, you know, growing up in the, in, in the inner city, you know, and I see there's businesses. I see the talent that he has. I see the people, you know, people that come to him, just him to go, to, you know, with their race cars to make them faster. Like he had everything he needed, but he always worked for someone else. And I always said, you know, you can have your own, you know, and I, and at one point when I was in college, I used to paint cars and I said, pops, you could do the body work. You can do the, you know, mechanic work of the cars and then I could paint them and we can, you know, not only do we build the engines for the race cars, we do the body work and we do the painting for cars and we can have our own business, our father and son business. And he just was like, nah, son, that's not for me. And I had to take it. That wasn't for him. But that was that kind of what made me mad because here there's all this talent that you could be using to better this family, but you didn't want to do it. And that kind of made me mad. And I, I just never wanted to be that way. Well, okay, let me say this because because I, I, I really find that interesting. I don't know if you two ever had a conversation, but now that you're an entrepreneur yourself and you see all the work that it takes to be an entrepreneur, you think that's why he didn't want to do it? I don't think so. I think, I think it was a mentality that that generation had, like, you know, he was a worker. 
He was like, just say you got a construction worker or electrician. That was his trade. And he was happy doing his trade. His job made him very happy. It was very fulfilling to him. So he lived a very fulfilling life with what he wanted to do, what his passion was. He didn't want the headache of owning a business. And I understand that now, because like you said, it is a lot of work to own your business. There's a lot of handshaking. There's a lot of talking to people. You know, it's a lot of you know, selling yourself as well. So I can understand why he didn't want to do it. But, you know, at the, when I was young, I was mad that he didn't want it, but I didn't know how fulfilling it is to follow your, your passion. And that was his passion. Like, this is my passion now. And I'm so fulfilled and I understand where he was. But at that time, I was mad. mad if that makes sense. Is, is he still alive, your father? No, I lost my father about eight months ago due to cancer, he battled cancer for 12 years. So then I lost my dad. And I was actually able, before he passed, to play my game with him and sit down and family, you know, a lot of the, some of the videos that I show, you know, my father is in those videos playing a game with me. And he was so proud of it. And he was so happy for me. He was another one of my big supporters, you know, and I, you know, who knew that my father had this, this part about him, because he was so tough. He always worked and he was tough. And then, you know, he was the disciplinary in his house. And, you know, he wasn't a hugger or anything like that. But as I got older, I hugged my father all the time, especially once he was sick. I wanted him to know that, you know, he was loved and I appreciated his hard work to get me through life. So, you know, that was my appreciation for him that I understood he worked hard. He was a mechanic and he did whatever he had to do to make sure we didn't want for anything. And I appreciated him just for that. And he loved us and he loved my mom to death. So I I couldn't ask for a better father. You because because you talked about him um and, and how you know stern and, and being a disciplinarian, but that but playing that board game brought out a different side of him. So how did that make you feel that something you created made you get to see like a more joyous side of him? <laughs> it, it was great. I'm telling you what's even more than, than seeing the joy in my father's eyes is my mom. I tell people all the time, she comes out to, um, if I'm vending or if I'm in a mall, she'll come out and she'll try to get me customers and stuff. And I, I'm transported back to being a teenager at your football game when your parent is in the, shop, in the stands yelling, that's my baby, that's my <laughs> baby. You know, you know. that's why I feel like at 48 years old, my mom is at my stand doing that. And I'm so embarrassed, but I'm so proud that I'm making her proud at the same time. So it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. Feeling. And my dad was like that too. He was like, "Yes, yeah, son, you're doing your thing. I love, I love what you're doing. Keep doing it. Don't give up." And you know, if he can have a pa- a lifetime passion working as a mechanic and being fulfilled, I can definitely have a passion for this. But I'm make sure that not only do I, you know, generate income and wealth, but I'm gonna pass that down to my family and create generational wealth that they could build upon. So I definitely want to leave a legacy for my family. Let's transition to the card game because that that also was really fascinating to me. Where did you where did you get the facts from to um for the for the cards like the the historical facts and figures? Where did you get those from? Um, I had to do my research. It was like doing a research on each person and uh, like a book report on each person. Let's just say that. But I had to look up all the you know my my cards encompass artists, inventors, athletes, scholars, and leaders at my time. So when I 
my approach to it was thinking about like my top 10 rapper, who would be the top 10 leaders of our country that, you know, African-American leaders of our country of all time, past, present and future. And then, you know, the ones that's not talked about all the time, but definitely deserve their accolades. So in my cards, you'll see Cicely Tyson, Simone Biles, Angela Davis, Thelonious Monk, Richard Pryor, people that they're not, they're not teaching us about in school. And you definitely don't see on any um, trivia cards. So I wanted to make sure I incorporated past, present, and future legends that's, you know, that's not spoke about a lot. Even the inventors. I didn't know, like a lot of the, when I was doing the research on inventors, I didn't know who they were. Like I said, they wasn't really taught in school. So I had to learn who those inventors was. And I had to pick out some of the best ones that, you know, I thought like my top 10 rapper, my top, my top 10 um, artist or my top 10 uh, scholar, you know? So it, it was uh, interesting making the cards, but it took me two weeks to, I knew what I wanted to do with the cards already, but it took me two weeks to finish that because I started using this, um, someone helped me with this thing that was helped with procrastination, where when you come home and you spend one hour on that one thing that you want to do that um, before you do anything else in the house, whether before you tend to the family, before you eat, because if you do all those things, you know, you might not get back to what you was doing. But if you come right to the door, say, hey, give me this one hour to work on my my board or game or write, work on these trivia cards. What took me six years to write the book took me six months to make the game. It took me two weeks, two weeks to make the trivia cards. So, you know, having that process in place was really great. And when I made the trivia cards, I wanted to make sure not only was it a trivia card game that people could play, you know, in itself, but also be able to incorporate them back into the trivia, uh, into the board game. So I made it. So say Aretha Franklin and trivia, you will get points if you guessed it. But when you're using the cards with the board game, Aretha Franklin would be R-E-S-B-E-C-T, move six more spaces for me or tiger woods <laughs> would be moved four more spaces spaces and go and golf or madam cj walkers pick a player to lose two turns let that relax a set so every person had something a little different so i had to think differently i had to think different than what everybody else was doing and putting out out there at the same time and because i thought differently and i thought out of box Educators are loving it. Principals, school, you know, people who work in school districts, you know, in daycares and parks and recreations. Families are saying like, man, this is just what we needed. Something that will keep the family maintained and keep them educated at the same time. And you having the trivia cards that can be incorporated into the game, you know, added another level of education to the game. So it really grew with your child's educational development. It took a it took a while, but you've done every you've you created the game. Your vision is coming to life. Do you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose now? Oh, definitely. Uh, I tell my wife one of the stories. Even when I first met my wife, I told her that I felt like God spoke to me when I was maybe like eight years old and said that you're going to be a great man one day. And, you know, it was so, and I was like, I never let a black man be president, but lo and behold, they let a black man be president. <laughs> I didn't know what the, what the voice was telling me that I was going to do, but now that I'm doing it, I can feel God's hands moving me. Like one of the, um, the image that's on my trivia cards is the, uh, the continent of Africa that I turned into a face. And I asked God, when I didn't know what, um, symbol that I wanted to put on the trivia card that represented, you know, African-American uh, history and legends. But I asked God to give me that vision when I went to sleep 
that night, that morning I woke up and I said, I had the vision of turning Africa into a face. But when you look at it one way, you see a male face. But if you look at it another way, you could see a female face. And I actually have that, created that art. And um, I'm selling it now. So you see the male face, you see the two blended together where you can see the male and female face. And then you see the female face of Africa in a separate picture. So it's all three pictures and I call it Genesis. And um, it's a great piece of art and you guys should be seeing that real soon. And I, God gave me that vision, but I didn't see it at first. At first, all I could see was the male face. And then I created a female face. And then one day something, you know, I was talking to my wife and we were looking at the images and I said, it's there, the face is there. And then I merged them together and God gave me that vision. I didn't know it. This was maybe almost a year since I made the trigger card that that image came to me. So, you know, the power of God is powerful. The power of belief, the power of, you know, motivation, the power of believing in yourself, all those things is real. And if you just focus on those things and believe that you can do these things, anything is possible. I want to close with this. The, the board game sound amazing. The card game sounds amazing. For the board game, because I'm going to stick with the board game. Okay. If you can play your board game with three people, who would it be and why? <laughs> I want to play with all comedians. I want to play with funny people. I want to play with Eddie Murphy. I want to play with uh, Kevin Hart. And I want to play with uh, maybe Dave Chappelle. Because, uh, you know, I'm from D.C., um, those guys are, um, Dave, well, maybe not even, like Earthquake. Earthquake would be good. Earthquake is from D.C., Dave Chappelle and Eddie Murphy. All of us are from D.C. It would be a laugh riot, I swear, because the game is already funny. And, you know, cracking jokes and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it would be really awesome to play with them. Man, it's, it's truly been an honor and pleasure talking with you. Um, I, I, I read my, my, my wife referred you referred your story to me and I read it and she was like, Hey, you got to get them on your podcast. And before, because she doesn't really listen to podcasts, mm -hmm. it made me excited to do this one. So I'm honored that you took the time to do it. And thank you for having me on. I really, uh, uh, when, when I, when you call me and you say you want to have a show, I jump right on it. I, I definitely like to support, you know, other black businesses. I love what you're doing. I listen to your podcast. You did a great interview. I mean, you're doing it, brother, and I love it. So supporting, like you support me, I'm supporting back. And, you know, when, when we get washed on the other side, you know, we'll definitely be in better places for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, before we end it, I just want to confirm, you, you're setting up a um a stand in Annapolis, correct? Right. I'm opening up my kiosk in Annapolis Mall. Uh, it opens July 1st. So, if, you know, your listeners want to come out and get a game, come down to Annapolis Mall, July 1st. I'll be over by the food court. Um, also, um, if you, you know, don't want to wait till then or if you don't want to get it in person, you can't make it down to Annapolis Mall, you can get it on my website, uh, www.theurbanlegendseries.com. Social media is theurbanlegendseries.com and Facebook and Instagram as well. Now, will you will you be there every day starting July 1st? I'll be every uh, every day set for Mondays. Mondays will be my only day off. And I'll use that to, you know, reconcile my books and, you know, market marketing and stuff like that. So every day set for Monday, I'll be at uh, Annapolis Mall. OK, because I'm putting it on. I'm putting it out in the, in the atmosphere. I will meet you in person. I'm going to come to the kiosk 
and buy it because you, you, you seem like a really great guy. I just want to shake your hand and support you and right. take a picture with you. So, so everybody can see that it's a great game. So I'm, I'm excited to meet you and get a game and a um, set of cards. Definitely. Definitely. And I'll make sure you get an autographed copy because everybody that comes to the set and they want to get a game, they'll get a signed copy. So they'll have a copy um, from the, the creator of the game. So they have a signed copy of it. So definitely come down and get one for sure. Oh yeah. I'm definitely going to come down because I love what you're doing and I'm going to make sure to support. All right. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Definitely. But before we end it, please tell the people how they can follow you and how they can also get the board game. Okay. On Instagram and Facebook. Um, I am the urban legend series. And then my website is www.theurbanlegendseries.com. Definitely check out my social media. Uh, my character, Little Paris, he explains the game. There's funny stories and videos. So check out my Instagram and Facebook for those. And actually, I have a YouTube page as well at uh, The Urban Legend Series as well. All right. And again, man, congratulations on creating such a great product. And I wish you all the best. All right. Thank you very much. All right. And I want to take the time to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore Lant. My Facebook is also conversations with Lant. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.